do the thing. Okay, I'm doing the thing. Welcome to Drunk or Tired. I'm tired today instead of drunk. Um, <laughs> and I'm tired. Just kidding. Wait, you're tired? I'm tired. We're both tired. Hey! Okay, uh, welcome to Taz Talk, everyone, uh, the show where we talk about the Adventure Zone podcast. Um, today we are going to be talking about the Nashville live show. Oh, first, actually, I wanted to ask, Chelsea, how mm-hmm. was PodCon? Oh, dear God. PodCon was amazing. Um, it was the first year that it happened in Seattle um, last weekend, and I it was so amazing. I got to a point where I would see Justin McElroy just walking down a hall or in the elevator or just, like, in the wild, and I wouldn't even, like panic i i panicked the first couple of times but by the end of like the convention i would just be like oh hey justin oh how are you doing it was just old hat huh oh yeah it was like it was just it, no big deal oh my god no she, it was amazing. she took pictures with all of them she sent me them they look really cute <laughs> um i highly highly recommend it um one because it's such a small convention there were less than three thousand attendees but because they were in such a huge space it was a very intimate show um yeah, it it was really incredible, and you really felt the community that was there because everyone was there for podcasts. Like everyone that I met, actually, the funny thing is, everyone there was also they also made podcasts. So I was it was really exciting <laughs> to go there and be like, oh, you like podcasts? Well, I I make a make a podcast too. We do make a podcast. We do. You know why? Because it's so fucking easy to make a podcast. Even though I still haven't put us on iTunes, but. But now we know how to because Travis tweeted it out. (laughs) Thank you, Travis. Yeah, thank you, Travis. Um, It was incredible. Less than 3,000 people sounds like a dream after a few years of Anime Expo. Yeah. Let me tell you. It was something like (laughs) 2,995 people per hankering. Oh, man. Yeah. But, I mean, it was was incredible. I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, Even though I didn't get, like, into a lottery to see the boys, like, officially... The convention was so intimate that you just would see them in the hall. So I, I ended up running into all of them. Um, I cosplayed Lucretia. I had a book that was incredible. Like, I even got to show it to everyone except Justin because I kept seeing Justin, like, in my regular people clothing. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I showed it to Clint, and he said it was brilliant, and that, like, sustains my strength. Um <laughs> Like, it was just, it was incredible. And to tell them to their faces, like, hey, you guys have made such a positive impact on my life. Like, they are the reason why 2017 had any value. So, <laughs> um, it was, it was incredible. And I was really happy that I went. And I I hope that they, it happens again. And I encourage everyone to go. Um, real good time. Real good folks. And it was in Seattle in December. It was incredible. Next time, come with me. Okay, I will. <laughs> nice. Okay, let's talk about the episode, the live show. Yeah, can we actually uh, like use that as a springboard? Because this is something that I have, um, that I specifically wanted to address. Is it is so good to have Griffin back in the driver's seat. Um, <laughs> I I love everyone doing everything, but Griffin, the way that he his his words are his pictures. <laughs> when he said that line, I was like, "Oh, Griffin, this I I enjoy this." So if we're gonna jump right in talking about Griffin, I wanted to talk about one thing that's really interesting, um, and that Griffin got really comfortable with. So I've been re-listening to the Balance arc, mm-hmm. and um, it's you can hear Griffin's narrating style start to change and become more dramatic, especially around the eleventh hour. Yep. He kind of perfects that dramatic monologue. Yep. But by the end of the Balance arc, he became really comfortable with just describing camera angles, and it's like. It's a bold but effective narrative choice, I feel like. Yeah, I... Because, you know, it's 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 not just like, I'm going to work around the limitations of being in an audio medium. It's more like just like, meet me halfway. I'm going to <laughs> just use this thing and it's going to work out. And it kind of does. It totally, you know? totally does. I completely agree. Um, I have tried listening to other live play podcasts and and while they're great in their own sense like the voice acting the gameplay all very fun there's there's something about the adventure zone that makes it especially narratively pleasing and i think that that's huge is that griffin does go off on his um 
narrative mon like dramatic monologues and that he explains stuff like camera angles um it it really adds to your imagination and better yet it adds to people who make fan animations um this is going back to podcon real quick um they did a recording of the the adventure zone zone and listening to the schedule of events from now until january it doesn't sound like they're going to be uploading it so maybe it was kind of like a podcon exclusive um, if God, pay, I hope not. Well, so that's the thing. Like they, they have a paid tier where you pay thirty dollars and you get all of the podcasts from PodCon, or at least the vast majority of them. Oh. So I have a feeling that might be locked behind a paywall. But but at PodCon they showed the trailer um, that that Rachel and I actually kind of helped make. So it was very exciting. It's a complete surprise. But uh, bear, for... okay, maybe you helped make. <laughs> Rachel helped make is a big, big exaggeration. <laughs> you still deserve credit, though. Like, um, but uh, uh. but so for for folks like that who make like AMVs or uh, like fan animations, Griffin's narrative helps. It helps incredibly. Um, the the amazing thing about the trailer and about all of the like uh, people who animate things based off the podcast. They're they're taking directions and they're taking quotes and narrative directly from what Griffin tells them, and it just it makes it a whole lot of fun to see it um, animated and narrated. It's like, oh, dang. Oh, it's so exciting. Yeah, I'm like through my fifth. I'm like my re- listening through balance, like my fourth time, I guess. Yeah. And it's really fun. It's easy to kind of glaze over things and just, you know, there's like a lot of different it, kind of cognition while reading is really interesting because mm. when I read a book, I don't necessarily have a mental image of the characters. They're kind of just blurred out in my mind. It's not like you read a book and then you form the picture of it in your mind. You're getting the information in a way that's like sub-visual, mm-hmm. even though the words are supposed to represent things in reality. Um, but I remember listening to the balance like the first time, there were definitely some scenes that like, even though I don't normally feel that way, I got a very strong mental image of what they looked like. Um, like the scene where Roswell explodes and the, um, the clay is like filling the bank while Taco's reading the diary that stood out really dramatically in my mind and I could like see it happening. It was really interesting. Um, so yeah, yeah, Griffin does a good job. I think, um, for a lot of folks, um, the 11th hour is their favorite arc and, and, um, I can see why, just because there there really is like a lot of action that is described in in pretty great detail in the eleventh hour. Um, I have to do a special shout out to episode, I guess it would be sixty eight. It it's the episode where things are. It's like the penultimate one where it ends with Loop telling Barry, "Hey babe, we're legends." I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah. That episode is so well edited. Yeah. I just, it astounds me every time um, between the music and the, and the editing with all the voices and all of the storylines meeting up. It's just incredible. Um, That's probably my favorite episode. I don't know how Griffin tied so many things together so well. It's I don't know either, amazing. which isn't, it's, oh man, every time I think about balance, I just get really happy. <laughs> <laughs> I also love, I realized recently how much I fucking love Reunion Tour, like yes. a lot. Yep. Because of the, that sort of, Harry Potter book seven feel of breaking these really ingrained cyclical features of the story, like going back to Hogwarts, but everything's different. Yeah. Spoilers for Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they go back up to the moon and they don't go to the fantasy Costco and they don't see Leon. And like, it's that feeling of coming back to someplace familiar, but having things changed, it's really unsettling. And it was really fun to listen to. I just, love those episodes so much yeah and i think Um, i think that's something um that we're looking forward to hopefully happening again in um the second chapter of the adventure zone whatever they settle it being on and and we heard um griffin describing how excited the boys were to get on to the next big thing and i think we really are too like the satisfaction that comes with a, a big story that goes on for a while that culminates to this thing at the very end is hugely satisfying which i that's why people are still talking about uh taz balance even though we've kind of moved on from those characters um it it was yeah we're still talking we're still making a podcast about it (laughs) for god's sakes that's true um real quick shout out also to griffin made original music for the episode the live show yeah did you know that was actually 
Oh, was it not Griffin? No, it was Griffin. Oh. It was it was the tra- <laughs> You wouldn't know this. your bubble, Chelsea. It was the track <laughs> Doing Some Crime off of the Suffering Game soundtrack. No, that's so great. Oh my god. Well, it played It's the track that plays when Magnus breaks into the um brig to go visit Robbie. Oh AKA my god. Pringles. I didn't realize there was even music in that in that sequence. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's the heist music. Oh my god. Um I love that Griffin recycles his music and that he has made so many <laughs> different like themes and that he tries to use them in the live show. When I saw him in San Diego, I don't think his music was quite set up yet and he even said like I had this really cool musical cue but I I didn't anyway so here it goes and so like listening to him actually execute it in a live show just brought it to a whole new level and i'm sure that he's really pleased with himself too because just this this bank heist episode um has it was a lot more cohesive than a lot of their other live shows um oh man that's how i feel what's your favorite live show so far the bank heist episode (laughs) okay (laughs) because for Um, me yeah go ahead Oh, uh, the first one that they posted, the one where they go to, um, they do, they do like the wrestling competition. Oh yeah. Yeah. That no other live show from Trace Horny Boys I've heard so far has been able to top that one for me. Something about that one was so good. It was so funny. And there was a lot of like character building in it Mm. and Angus was adorable and everything about that one was so great. I do agree that this one was it did feel maybe a little more put together than some of the previous ones. Yeah. And I know Griffin has gotten pretty shit-faced recording some of the previous ones, too. <laughs> I remember in one of them, he talked about the bottle of wine he'd drunk before he went on stage. And yep. I'm pretty sure they were still drinking. And, like, I, you can hear him getting drunk. Yeah. In that episode. I don't remember which of the ones it is. Um, there, there are... Um, I think they've gotten better at live shows um and i i well i mean obviously if they they keep doing it enough times they'll obviously get better at it um but i just i think that um them going into the nashville show um the the formula that seems to be very satisfying for us as the fans is when a live show has some nostalgia factor in it or like a callback to an old joke um and if it has the classical elements of a narrative with the rising action, the climax, the falling action. Um, Based on those two factors alone, this story had it all, plus Loop, plus Greg Grimaldis. Oh my god. Loop is the best, dude. I missed her so much. Yes. Oh my god. I loved, I mean, of course the, for me, probably my favorite part in the show was um, the whole bit about, like, we can't steal anything other than the $15 bill. (laughs) And then you kind of smash cut to her going, I'm going to take everything in the room. And it's really great. It's, Loop is a little bit more lawful than Taco, but only a little bit. And yep. it's a very fun distinction between them that has come up, like, I feel like several times over yep. the course of the sh- of their story together. Yeah. Like, um, I had a feeling that maybe that bit was just, you know, a goof, but it, mm-hmm. it worked so well with their characters. Well, um, I mean, the the way... It's just, like, it is a goof, but it's, like, character-based humor. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, like, that's what's fun. That's one of the things that was funny about um, Red versus Blue, too, was in the beginning it was just, like, dick jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then as the series goes on, as you build character, then you can make jokes about the characters instead, which are really fun. Yeah. And, um, and it's that's... the same thing that happened in The Adventure Zone, too. Yeah. I feel um, like. That's very true even for, like, D&D campaigns. Um, like, when you first start out, you don't really have a whole lot to go on because folks don't know each other. They haven't established any quirks or anything. But the the more you get along with it, you find things that you can kind of make fun of or have callbacks to. Um, I'm Whenever I think about commitment, I still think that, like, I wish it kind of went on a little bit longer just so that, you know, we could get to know these characters more and stuff. Um mm-hmm. One more thing going back to PodCon is I I was, I sincerely, I had my hand raised. I was going to ask Justin (laughs) to explain a little bit more about Cordala and Irene's, um, their relationship, but, but Mm -hmm. Griffin was explicitly saying that he didn't want to talk about lore. So Mm -hmm. I was like, what kind of the, the adventure zone zone is this? If we're okay, whatever. I'm I'm happy. You gave me a nice trailer. I don't mind, I guess. Um, cause I totally just wanted to dive into lore. But, was it that he didn't want to talk about lore of the um, 
the commitment arc or any any lore at all, even from balance? He said that I think that he probably meant balance, but he didn't specify, so I took it to mean just oh, in general. Yeah. Like I, I don't think he wanted to spend time like speculating fan theories or um He's the way he said it was, you know, like what has been said has been said. What's been established is that is canon. We don't really want to change canon or do yeah. the whole J.K. Rowling thing where you tweet yeah. out details about it a couple of years later. Like that's that's kind of it. Um, and and I think, beyond yeah. beyond the live shows, they just kind of want to respect the fiction, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, there's um, that's kind of a philosophy that different people have, mm-hmm. content creators on their sort of relationship with their fandom and how they treat canon and how they can just, like, offhandedly modify it outside of the actual work. And I don't know. It's, like, as a content creator, I mean, I don't know. You owe things... Well, how do I say this? You are writing on some level for yourself and on some level for the people who will be your fans. Mm. But how much you owe to the fandom and people who do transformative works, I don't know. And I think that's a judgment... Like, that's your judgment as a content creator. And what I'm getting at here is that the more you settle... Like, if you if you have somebody ask you a question about something, and you have to make a co- concrete decision on it, and you that then enters canon because the creator said it, then if anybody had a different head canon about it, then that's gone now. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it seems like Griffin and the rest of the McElroys want to leave things open-ended for people to maintain whatever head canons they have about anything that wasn't explicitly stated exactly um which and, I, oh yeah. go ahead go ahead well i was gonna say i think I, that's what i would want to do as a content creator because i don't know i would feel bad i guess i mean it's like you know they're it's on one level it's like if you made these characters they're yours and you can define them how you want to but at the same time i don't know it's i i'm not done formulating this thought maybe but <laughs> i i think i agree uh, with everything that you're saying as a, as a creator like you create your fiction of course it's your characters but i think it's important to recognize when your characters have kind of shifted from belonging to you to kind of belong to your fans just because they're so well loved and so well received um and also respecting that you created these characters without any set images and that people's imaginations are going to um, take what you've given them via this audio media and they're going to make of it what they will they're going to see that character in the way that they see them so I think it's it's really good that the McElroys are kind of leaving it open and they're saying like your interpretation of our characters are valid there's no one right way to interpret these characters there's no one right way to portray them there might be a popular way to portray these characters but you know anything you decide to do um if you do it and you are showing us love as the creators like we're gonna love you right back because you're doing it um and i think that's it's a really good relationship between characters and um their fans when they can establish that like we we know that we didn't start off this thing with any visual representations so whatever you however you want to dictate it is completely okay with me sort of a thing it sounds like you're circling around the specific controversy over character oh i totally am oh you know it and etc which in that i actually think the opposite for those particular topics and like not to call out the mcelroys and i know they kind of stumbled into their fandom and like everything kind of got probably out of like kind of exploded beyond what they ever thought was going to happen and um, they just kind of had to deal with it. But I actually think, and this is something that was frustrating about Andrew Hussey too, and mm. just like saying, oh, the characters don't have a canon race, they can be whatever they want. I mean, it's kind of cowardly, mm. and it's not a good way to do representation, I think. I mean, if you're just going to say like, oh, you can imagine these characters to be whatever race you want them to be, and that's still valid. That's not really representation, and I feel like it's just kind of like a cop-out so that you don't actually have to represent lots of different kinds of people in your fiction, or you don't have to, like, upset anyone. And it tends to cause a lot of divisiveness in the fandom, which isn't the creator's responsibility, but as a person in fandom, it makes me very stressed and frustrated. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's actually one thing where I feel like I wish 
I mean, not, I'm not saying, McElroy's, you need to decide what color these characters' skin are so that can be settled. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But, yeah. like, for, uh, that's something that I, I wish creators would commit themselves to more often. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a dual-sided um, sort of way to do it. And I think that a lot of times it comes up because the series gets so popular um before any kind of canon can be established. Yeah, um, that might be true. Yeah, and you 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 mentioned the Hus. You mentioned the Hus. I was totally <laughs> thinking about Hussy and I was totally thinking about how all of our fan trolls are canon. Um and I think that's a really good point in that <laughs> like, that's another that's even another issue entirely. <laughs> We're just going like bing bang boom all these different weird things. <laughs> well, no, but that that's a really good point in that when you are saying when you validate people's head cannons because it's kind of like a cop out that's not to that's not the same as actively acknowledging representation actively you know bringing somebody's something um to spotlight by showcasing them as a character um mm-hmm. in in the case of the adventure zone i think that they were really mindful about trying not to stereotype folks um, from what started out as a joke and then became yeah yeah so for that, I mean like I yeah. think the way like talking about Griffin wrapping things up well I think the whole Joaquin food truck thing mm. was the best I can't think of a better way he could have fixed wrapped it up that you yeah. know what I yeah. mean like I I that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole show just because Joaquin was so adorable and it was just the whole like Joaquin saves the school is the best thing yes. in the whole show almost <laughs> it's like it was so great I really loved it the fucking callback to the I've got magic powers yes. everything about that was yes. amazing um yeah and again it's like I was talking about this with my other friend when she's just it's Samantha and she's catching up on um hi Samantha the, our yeah, third I don't listener. think she's going to ever listen to this. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't think she'll ever... Well, I don't know. Maybe someday. When she but, catches um, up. When she catches up. <laughs> yeah, she's on her way. She just she's just finished Crystal Kingdom, I think. Um, she really likes it. But I was kind of hinting to her that there were things that the McElroys stumbled in. We were talking about creators responding to criticism from their fans. Mm. And I forget... We were. Com- I was comparing the McElroys to someone else. And I was saying that the McElroys, I thought, were a good example of people who responded constructively to criticism. Um, because, you know, you, you could just ignore, like, your fans and just be like, this is my work and I'm making it the way I want to. But, like, Griffin tied up the barrier gaze problem with Hurley and Sloan really well, too. It was like Griffin going, I got some complaints about some mistakes that we made, and I'm going to try to fix them in the best way that I can. And I think he did a pretty good job, honestly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, I guess when when you create a thing, and if people find um, problems with it, it's not necessarily your job to make them happy with it. Um, but the way that Griffin and the McElroys addressed these issues, um, and the way that they talk about them fairly honestly and pretty transparently especially when they do these like behind the scenes kind of breakdowns um i think they're doing it their very best um and i think that a lot of it most of it is you know with with the utmost respect for the subject matter they've gotten a lot more mature as the years have gone by i've heard that they've been podcasting for a very very long time a whole five years or more um and when they when they started they were all like kind of our age or younger um mm-hmm. these these boys from west virginia growing up in their community growing up the way that they did in their region of america like they came from a walk of life that is very different maybe from where they find themselves now like and they they've talked about this before and they actually like actively warn people not to listen to the very early episodes of Mabim bam mm-hmm. one because it wasn't it just it wasn't the same level of quality as the as the later episodes but also because the boys back then were exactly that they were just they were boys mm-hmm. um it wasn't the same level of maturity and it wasn't the same level of like respect and um you learn more as you grow so it's, it's yeah, exciting definitely. to be in the fandom and to be supportive of these folks who actively are trying to improve themselves and are actively putting out goodness um i like it i like them I like them too. Um, Good. I'm glad we agree. (laughs) 
Otherwise, why would we, why would we be fucking doing this? Um, yeah, I mean, like, to air is human. And I think it's one of their strengths running the Adventure Zone to recover from mistakes, you know? Yeah. It's like, I remember seeing posts on Tumblr, like, people complaining, like, I hate all these people who are waiting around like hawks for the McElroys to do something problematic. So everyone oh my can, God. like... Yeah then we can start to hate them, blah, blah, blah. But, like, they already kind of have. And the thing about them is that they they addressed it in a mature way, and then they fixed it. You know, it's like, I don't know. They'd have to fuck up real bad to not be able to recover from it, I think. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So, yeah, I don't know. This conversation has the potential to spiral wildly out of control and off topic. I think it already has. It already has. Uh, what is this? <laughs> supposed to be talking the about, about the about Nashville Eden? live show. I know. Yeah, are... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just got really... But that's that's what the people come to our show for, is the hard-hitting facts. Oh, yes. The and... people come to our show, first of all. That's statement one. The people come to our show. <laughs> <laughs> to unpack um, the McElroy's... The McElroy... Um, fandom and also to break down the adventure zone so yeah that's true i mean i guess also it's like oh our trace horny boys are back let's dump all of our unsaid balance feelings right now yeah oh Uh, i meant to say this like 20 minutes ago um i love that they continue to do things with the trace horny boys through live shows because they're essentially like making fan fiction for their thing i know it's really good (laughs) and what I love especially about the live shows now and about this one and I'm hoping future ones is that these are all taking place post-canon. Yeah. Um, post-story and song. And so it's like we get to see them getting up to shenanigans in their happily ever after. Exactly. Like, I love that. I know. Me too. It's one thing that, um, yeah, I don't know. This kind of like silly soft post-canon content is so perfect for me. Yeah. No, I'm because super into it. I remember specifically, this is a very formative moment in my life, but as <laughs> when I was a kid and I played Ocarina of Time and I beat that game for the first time, and this is something that happens in all kinds of video games, you beat the game and you watch the end cutscene, and then like you can still load up your old save file yeah. and go back to right before the final boss, and something about that is very upsetting to me, and it just feels like it's not done, and like, to have something end and have like sequel-ish content that's not just oh we need to make a sequel so we're inventing a new conflict Mm -hmm. that's really really good for me like it's perfect it's like there's still stuff happening after there's still like content being created after the main body of the canon but it's not like oh new thing happened and here's like a whole other story it's just like just a small thing yeah, it's like, it's what I've always wanted from my whole life, from any <laughs> anything that I liked. Yeah. So, yeah, it's happy to see them doing some silly stuff. One thing I wondered about was that I, I was not um, too keen on the exact mechanics that they used to travel back to their home planet. Yeah, um, let's, let's break that down. <laughs> I didn't realize that Loop's powers extended from, you know, I know that she can make some really cool shit, but she can apparently now also charm things to bend space travel and planar system. Like, I guess. I mean, her, because she's, well, she is a lich reaper I guess person so? now. But and I mean, I, mean, I, I didn't think... realize she could make substitute star blasters. Like, I, I don't know. I don't remember. What? I kind of glazed over how exactly they got here. And I think maybe it was just supposed to be hand wavy and we weren't meant to look too closely oh, to- at I it. totally was. <laughs> <laughs> but, um,. I, does does it imply that they could now visit any world that they visited previously during the stolen century? Yeah, they must be. My my first instinct, my first thought was, how are they visiting Greg Grimaldus? He's dead. But then I realized, <laughs> oh wait, the hunger like spat them all out. So I guess he's yeah. not dead. Um, Maybe but- they were in stasis also inside the hunger. No, that doesn't make sense. I don't know. This is all stuff. And I think this actually is specifically the kind of lore stuff. Well, maybe another kind of lore stuff that Griffin did not want to have to answer questions about. Yeah, it's just because... like it's technical. Just let it, let it be. Let yeah, well, I think a lot of it is stuff that like they don't have an answer for. And like they don't want to sit there and come up with one in the middle of a like show, you know? Yeah, no, A definitely. live show. Um, I think it's really... I think that's what you bring up is very interesting in that 
all of the worlds that they visited in Stolen Century, they can go back there and visit. So I guess. Like, I mean, that's that's fodder for all the live shows from now until forever, is they can go back to <laughs> the, the robot like world, and they could, you know, Travis's world with the robots and... and Oh, and they can and Merle, go see the power bear. They can go see the power bear. Merle can go see the first church of Fungston. Like they oh my have God. all of Magnus these things. Magnus could go see his soccer team. The Tesseraliac loser. Tes- Tesseralia. The Tesseralia. Yes, loser? Tesseralia losers. <laughs> <laughs> and oh my if, God! Wait a minute. Hold the phone. If the hunger spat out everything it ever consumed, then does that mean that John is somewhere on a beach watching a sunset, and that Merle could go visit? <laughs> Holy crap! Wait I a don't, minute. I don't think so. <laughs> Is that I want to draw the line at John, at John because I hate when people call him John Hunger. I hate that stupid hate Sans Undertale too. meme. It's the worst. Um, but uh, I, um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was meant to be the case Final. that he is dead and gone. He has disappeared. Um, I... He was consumed by the capitalist machine that he started. <laughs> <laughs> I am gonna hold on to hope, and maybe, maybe, um, they will want to answer story- the questions about lore again, and then I can ask them, hey, so, is John alive? Because, <laughs> That'll I mean, be one of the questions where Griffin says, okay, let's do a lightning round. Is John not still alive? No. Blah, blah, blah. No. <laughs> <laughs> If everything, if basically, if, if when the hunger was defeated, everything's back, like, I mean... Yeah, yeah, but he was the hunger. He was, well, he was possessed by the hunger. Hmm. That's true, but he was introduced as the man who became the hunger. So I'm going to say, I'm answering for Griffin. I'm answering <laughs> on his behalf right now. Griffin, he if you was- ever listen to our, our, our <laughs> podcast, please. John was so, he started, he was the hunger, he became the hunger, and then even if he got like, what used to be his personality got kind of booted from it or taken over he was still so inexorably tied to it that when the hunger was destroyed he went along with it that's my story and i'm sticking to it <laughs> i'm i'm gonna be in the john still alive camp i'm gonna be in i the... do love that character though a lot i think he <laughs> was so fascinating and the whole like i the whole cons- all of the kind of high philosophy stuff that or, that took place around the hunger and like that the hunger kind of thematically represented was so interesting because it was obviously stuff that Griffin had thought about, about a lot. Yes. And he wanted kind of like, he used that as a platform to explore all of these like really big, interesting ideas. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really neat. Yeah. They've, they've same, talked. Oh, go ahead. You yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's kind of the same thing with when they met the architect of the universe. Yep. yep. At the end, it's just like Griffin had said that he was really interested on like um, turtles all the way down kind of thing, like expanding scales like orders of magnitude but like you know what's bigger than this like Mm -hmm. it was fun that griffin had a place to just kind of throw those ideas out you know yeah um i they've they've talked about it before how whatever their next big thing is gonna be that they probably can't go back to high fantasy only because they've kind of they've defeated the big bad in that realm of of storytelling so i think that for for it to be such a big bad that it it literally was the everything, the whole entire universe <laughs> that was trying to eat itself, you know? Um, I that, would say... Wow. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that was kind of basically it. In that, okay. it, it was just, you know, if you're going to make a big bad, yeah, make it as big as it possibly can be. Well, I was going to say that that wouldn't... That story, if that precluded them from going back to fantasy, it would also preclude them from going back to anything that takes place in the modern world, i.e. plane of thought and, like future stuff too like that's not just a oh they beat the biggest bad guy that a fantasy story could have that was the big bad guy of any story it was about stories you know what i mean so i wouldn't say that they can't go back to high fantasy because of that i i do think they probably can't go back to forgotten realms based world yeah because that's done unless they rebooted it alternate universe (laughs) we did talk last episode about maybe they could do low fantasy next which would be so rad what is um, what is even the difference? Oh, sorry. I don't remember. Remember when... Remember last episode we talked about um, wizards in New York and fantasy classes in a modern setting? Yes. Oh, yes. Would that be so, considered yeah, high or low fantasy? That would be low fantasy. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Well, it depends. Yes, probably. I always so thought high the fantasy was just like, you know, you're more into it. 
<laughs> the technical difference between high and low fantasy. That's true. The technical difference between high and low fantasy is that high fantasy, low fantasy takes place in our world. But then oh. there is magic, usually secretly. Oh. So like in Harry Potter, in almost any young adult fantasy novel where there's like secretly vampires or secretly witches or any of that stuff. Oh, I love or that Or lots stuff. of, um, yeah, I love that stuff too. Yeah. A lot of novels by, um, I forget, there's there's some, um, I can't remember the fuckers' names, the, never mind. The magicians? I'm gonna just throw that out there. Maybe? No, I think... I don't. I I'm not familiar with the magicians, so I can't say or not. But they look like they wear pants. I don't know. They wear jeans. It's probably like modern. <laughs> I don't think that would preclude it from being. Well, I don't know. Pants I don't know the type, magicians, so I can't say. Type helps dictate uh, time and place for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of on, pants on you the wear? other on the other end of that? High fantasy takes place in an alternate world or universe. So Lord of the Rings takes place in Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess whatever Game of Thrones is, that's some other place that's not like Earth as we know it. So that's the difference between high and low fantasy. They don't wear jeans in high fantasy. Unless you're, I guess, Barry Blue Jeans. I was just about to fucking say, <laughs> Barry Blue Jeans has got a pair of sturdy denim pants. <laughs> They all fucking wore shorts. They're fantasy shorts. They're summer looks. That's true. Like plaid shorts and stuff. That's true. No. Um. Magnus was wearing camouflage shorts. He was wearing camouflage shorts. And he was Jesus wearing sandals Christ. with socks. And <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure Merle was wearing jumpers or something. Yeah, jumpers. I don't know. Are those like the things you wear when you're like riding a horse and you're playing polo? I have really... no idea what that is. I, I never looked that it up was and I don't want to. Exactly. Yep. The Jared Leto skirt. I just listened to those episodes. I'm in the middle of 11th hour right now. Uh, I just, really well, I was listening to all of Stolen Century while listening to, uh, while, right. while prepping for PodCon. Um, I should, I mean, I might as well just listen to the whole thing all over again. So. <laughs> you might as well. <laughs> um, I knew they were going to go weekly. It seemed like the most obvious yeah. update to the schedule. And but, yep. As a result, now we have to go weekly. I know. So I'm really excited for weekly Taz. I'm not exa- excited for weekly Taz talk editing. Necessarily. Maybe. Whatever. Who well, cares? It'll be fun. I got this. I have a feeling that the boys are going to maybe go shorter. Like, I can I can imagine them doing... If they're going to do, like, half... Well, hmm. I don't know. I don't know why they would go shorter and go weekly. That seems like... Defeating the purpose. They would just do one or the other. Yeah. Because I... Yeah. Because if they went record. shorter, then it... Yeah. It would, like, cancel, it, cancel each other out. Yeah. Because then... Yeah. Um, they're probably going to record, like, everyone's sessions throughout the month of December while they're all in West Virginia for Kendall Night. Maybe. And holy shit. So. That I would mean, be crazy, though. Yeah. I don't think that'll happen. Well, I mean. What I'm pre- Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, no. It's just they they were saying, like, they were going to take December to get prepped for all this, like, weekly recording. And I was kind of like, well, like, I can't imagine that Griffin is going to take time to edit every single. Like, he said that it was going to be slapdashy. But. Yeah. That's oh, still, that's true. like, yep. a lot of work. Yeah. Well, they also need to, they're still testing out rule systems, right? Mm-hmm. And specific tabletop games. So they they still need time to learn and digest a new rule set every time, ostensibly. I guess that's what they're doing. Yeah, they they weren't like super hinting at what the next thing was going to be, but they did acknowledge that um, the fate system, which they adore, doesn't really lend itself very well for podcasting, which I was like, Rachel and I talked about that in our last episode of Taz Talk, y'all. Like, we hit it on the nose. Um, but they, they did talk a little bit about, like, Pathfinder, and they, um, I know, we already know Griffin's gonna definitely go back to the apocalypse. What is it? Oh, yeah, powered by the apocalypse. Yeah, no, he loves that, like. I think that's what they use in Friends at the Table, too. I, think... I don't know if you ever listened to any of that. I did, but I couldn't get through the first like a couple episodes. I I appreciated though <laughs> that they they tried to like guide listeners like, hey, if you really like this kind of story, you can listen to this these series of episodes. If you like this kind of genre, you can go to th- these series yeah, of that episodes. Is cool. Yeah, it is cool. I and I wish that I was more into it, but I just be, this the characters um, for me, there were too many all at once, which I I understand that that's like a more regular. Like, when you play normal D&D, it's not normally just three characters in a DM. Yeah. Um, so I I got it. But as a listener, it was really hard for me to keep track of. So things like Critical Role and Friends at the Table, like, 
I really wish that I could get more into that, but when I'm driving or, or working on cosplay, I can't focus on all those kind of characters, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think Taz has an appeal outside of people who already really like D&D because it's more accessible, because of that, because um, they are, they specifically, just like the way, they've talked about this, but the way they play is specifically they're trying to make an entertaining podcast, so they forgo, they totally forgo movement and mm-hmm. a bunch of different rules. Yeah. Um, and the more familiar I become with 5e, the more I'm like, hey, Prayer of Healing cast takes 10 minutes to cast. You can't just do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, but they just like, I mean, some of it is like, you forget, like, we in, you know, we do this in our p- campaign. Like, you forget rules. You mess them up. There's fucking a ton of rules in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, when when Magnus was saying that in all the times that he's used um, the poison, raising, I never say it correctly. The sword. The, the raging, big flaming. Oh, the Fuck. Um, yeah, the big sword. Yeah, that he's never the part actually with Colin was so cute. I'd heard about that from like people posting about it. Well, that um, he's never inflicted poison damage. No, when they lifted up Colin, the kid <gasps> yeah! who made the thing. I thought that was so good. It was so cute. Um, but it's just that he mentioned that that he's never actually inflicted poison damage because he's he's supposed to be also doing poison damage, but he's yeah. like, oh, well, it's a fiery sword, and that's more exciting. So. <laughs> Oh, speaking of fiery swords, um, and speaking of Loop having various and mysterious powers, Flame Blade mm-hmm. is actually a druid spell. Only druids druids can cast that spell according to the official rules. Oh. So it would amusingly, it seems to imply that Loop has some levels as a druid. Huh. Um, which I mean, you know, like you don't need to explain anything that happens in the show according to like <laughs> the exact rules. Like it's just they can do whatever they want. That's the nature of the game. It just sounds but cool, Rachel. It's funny. <laughs> Well, as, as it's a, funny to imagine. As a lich, does she is she still like her evocation wizard? I assuming is that what she was supposed to be? Yeah, uh, I mean, okay. I think so. Like, I, I liches are basically wizards that have undergone a special process to make them undead, and then it becomes. I mean, you know this from the show. But yeah, like, they're like super beca- sane wizards. Yeah, but like normally, it it's they're almost all evil and out of control because it's very difficult to maintain that level. Like whatever happens to them, it like breaks them psychologically, um, and also they're fucking strong. They're like CR twenty two or something. Oh, um, so yeah, they're 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 big. They're big boys. Um, big bads. Big bads. Um, big bads. And um, Loop is one, and Barry is one. Yes. Oh, shout out to What was those... the question? I don't remember, but there were these Oh, really yeah, great... but I mean, I believe when you become a lich, you would keep the same, like, spells and stuff that you already knew. I mean, it's weird because you don't normally have player liches. It's normally just a predefined oh, like a... boss, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, but, but now that we're in, like, after finale territory, Oop has all this free time to do with whatever she wants. So That's maybe true. she took up some <laughs> druidry. So... <laughs> I liked... They were really, really cute in the beginning of the episode where they were just, like, dicking around and they, like, looked at everyone in the crowd and Griffin's, like... Like, they were like, everyone stand up if you're cosplaying. And then they turned the lights on and Griffin's, like, it's everyone. Holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) It was really heartwarming. There were a lot of um, people on Instagram that I follow for their cosplay and things. Yeah. And a ton of them went to the Nashville show, so that's why I was like, oh, this show's gonna be lit. Oh, I love that. Yeah. They don't know anything about Naruto, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, I can't even. Um, I can't tell how facetious they were being because I'm like, even I thought they were being for real. I don't know. Me, they sounded pretty sincere, but I'm like, Griffin, though, <laughs> Griffin, Griffin knows that's a certain true. amount of things. That's true. And Justin, like he works at Polygon, you don't think those streams cross? I don't know. I mean, they might not. Just because you like video games and nerd stuff doesn't mean you like anime. Yeah, but you, I think you would like know it by proxy. Maybe I don't know. They don't know that Naruto is the name of the main character or not. That's so funny to me. But that's also, like, the best joke is that Sasuke is my favorite Naruto. Like, that's... Oh, God. (laughs) The part where Griffin was like... Actually, I thought you guys would just kill Terry. That was relatable as a dungeon master. So so relatable. Oh, my God. Woof. Um, Uh, Terry's bit at the end... I thought that was a great twist. I, I was that was very fun. Yes. Um. I. I, I think... had trouble. Go yeah. Ahead. Go ahead. No, oh no! Ahead. I just I just really adored that there was a twist. I thought it was going to be <laughs> well, like super straightforward, and I was almost disappointed. But I, I was kind of so much more satisfied with the twist. <laughs> I kind of couldn't 
interpret it for a second. So let me see if I got it straight. The wand to decurse things mm-hmm. that they were given mm-hmm. was actually a teleportation sort of wand. Mm-hmm. That's what happened, right? And yep. so when Merle hit the thing to decurse it, it actually teleported it to Terry. Yep. Amazing. Right? Hilarious. Yes. Simple. Um, but I, I honestly was not expecting it at all because i completely believe that terry was a nice guy i know i know we're <laughs> such suckers he sounded exactly like mr upsy too it was really weird oh well, griffin has a very limited range of voices so. <laughs> <laughs> compared to um some of his family members <laughs> not so limited um, travis <laughs> i um thought that it was very fun that um they what, oh my god, what am I thinking of? Travis, when he started singing the Goofy Movie song, I, <laughs> I wish that there was video, because I assumed, like, from the laughter and from the shenanigans, it sounded like he was dancing to it, <laughs> I hope. So I wish I that know. there was video, because that would have been great. Oh, that's so funny. I like the part where, um, the part where Travis was joking about during, like, you know, they kept doing the flashbacks to the heist planning room. Yes. And when Travis was joking about Barry walking in with, like, a tray of hot chocolate. Yes. I just, I ha- I love that a lot because sometimes I forget, like, it's not just Griffin who really is invested in his NPCs and, like, loves them a lot. Like, it was, Travis was the person who made that joke, you know, and it's just, like, it was really fun to hear Travis joking about, like... Barry being the really domestic husband. And, like, it's just so, you know, they always would get really excited when, like, an old favorite character would reappear. And they, like, Travis and Clint obviously love Loop so much. It's just, like, so great to hear them talk about the NPCs. I don't know. And I think it's because they're not, they're they're playing the game and playing their roles. And so I don't hear about them talking, I don't hear them talk about, like, who was your favorite NPC, blah, 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 which is something that, like, I, as a fan, ask other fans because I want to know. And especially, I think, especially... Have they ever answered that question? I don't know. Oh, man, that's a a good question. Crap. Sometimes I wonder... I mean, I guess... Specifically Justin, I wonder what his emotional investment in the Adventure Zone is. And I've talked to this you about this before because, Mm. like, Travis fucking cried at the end of the balance arc. Mm. God, I saw really, really hard during the last hour of that episode. But, like, Travis was obviously very invested in Magnus and his story. And, like, Travis obviously really liked the characters in that show. You could, like, hear it when, like, he would talk to people and they would appear. And, like, Travis was obviously super into it. Clint was into it. Yes. I don't know how Justin feels. He's very mysterious to me. So he's a little bit aloof, especially compared to his brothers. Um, Definitely. At at PodCon, someone asked them what they did immediately after, like, ending the Skype call from doing the finale. Oh, my God. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Yes. Um, Travis went to go hug his wife. I'm pretty sure he was crying. Um, and Griffin went to go pick up his son from daycare. Um, and I think he like went and got groceries or something. He he was saying that he was pretty shook, but he had to keep doing things. So yeah, he, he didn't oh. really have time to decompress. Um, yeah. Whereas when they turned to Justin, Justin was just like, "I raised my dad to go use the bathroom <laughs> because that's that's the ritual after they record the adventure zone is." The they have they have multiple bathrooms in their house obviously but yeah um, they the closest one to their studio <laughs> they that's always have so to race funny to and it huge. and I was just like that's so funny but I honestly like how, how did they feel I guess because they have Even, each other uh, maybe yeah. they didn't really feel you know as affected because they could just kind of be like well that's done to each maybe, other maybe you know? I don't know like and I know. During the TTAZZ after the campaign ended, mm-hmm. um, they talked about, like, they were answering a question about, like, what specific parts made you cry? Because you guys said you all cried. And, oh, like, yeah. Magnus, obvious. Travis, obvious. Griffin said he got choked up through the whole last lines of the show mm-hmm. after he, like, Carrie said, I'm ready. Um, which breaks my heart every time. That whole wedding yeah. was like a dream come true. Just like I will never be able to get over the mental image of Carrie and Killian racing each other down the aisle to yes. the altar. I will never think about that and not get emotional. Um, but you know, Justin said like that he didn't cry during the actual podcast. He said he got emotional listening to other people 
like watching other people listening to it, he was like trolling one of the discords or something. Um, But yeah, I just like, Justin plays a lot of quote unquote tsundere characters. And I wonder how much that reflects. I wonder, is that what Justin is like? Does he actually, is he more emotional than he seems, but he kind of like deflects any discussion about it or he like puts on a facade or is he really just kind of an aloof guy? And it's really like, I'm invested in the mystery of Justin a little bit. Yeah. Um, He keeps you coming back for more. So, I mean, um, I, I think maybe that's part of him, you know, being the older brother and, and being Justin is that he's a little bit more detached a little bit more um grounded in reality that sounds dumb but no it doesn't he is the oldest yeah except for clint but also i think when you get older you get a more more sentimental because my my dad has gotten like my dad is more easily moved to tears now that he's older than yeah. he used to be. You know I feel I mean? like I'm more like easily Me moved too. to tears. I God. cry so much now. I know. It's so stupid. I don't know what it is. Like the older I get, the more it's like I'll watch the other day my mom was describing a commercial she saw to me that like made her emotional. And she was just describing this commercial to me. And she was getting misty-eyed, and I was getting misty-eyed. And I'm just like, this is a fucking joke. Like, what will t- oh, why am man. I like this? Anyway, um, anything else we want to talk about? About this live show. We have one more live show coming up. Um, it's going to be the Tacoma show from Seattle. Um, the fun thing about these live shows is... I actively try to avoid spoilers, like, from the folks who went to the show. So I just Same. go into them, like, cold. It's, yeah. it's very fun, because then I get <laughs> treats like this. I never know what to expect from a live show. Um, but you and I both are ridiculously excited for whatever's coming to us in January. I'm um, fucking excited, dude. I can't tell who <sighs> is going to go next, but I know it's going to be either Justin or Griffin. Or I'm sorry, not Justin. Justin straight up never wants to DM, which I respect and I agree with. I he just wanna... said that episode like a long time ago. <laughs> like, I believed him when he said it. Yeah. You well, know what I mean? He's reinforced it more recently. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can people find us, Rachel? I will tell them. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> if you want to get in contact with us or ask us a question and leave us some feedback, um, you can send us an ask on um, taztalk.tumblr.com um, or you can send us an email at taztalkpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter um, at taztalkpodcast. Perfect. Yeah. And Chels, were you going to drop your in, your personal information? Oh, God, yeah. No, check out my Twitter, which is um, at Keiko Pin Cosplay. That is K-E-I-K-O-P-I-N Cosplay um, on Twitter because I have a video of my Lucretia book, which is going to knock your socks off, I think, because it definitely gave the boys a bit of fun at PodCon. So check it out. Yeah, check out her cosplay. She looked awesome. Thank you. Well, you always look awesome, though, Chelsea. Oh. <laughs> oh. I think that, okay. that's it for us this week. That's it. Uh, looking forward to two weeks from now, a new live show. We'll see what else the future holds. Um, it's a when is that? Is that Christmas? One. Yeah, Is that Christmas. the week after Christmas? E- no. Is that between Christmas oh, yeah, it and is, New it Year's? Is. It is. It is the day before I the 28th, right? <laughs> it's fine so yeah i guess happy holidays everyone merry christmas happy, happy hanukkah if i hope happy candle nights i hope uh happy hanukkah unless hanukkah is already over by the time i post this episode um <laughs> happy kwanzaa happy solstice etc and uh we'll talk to y'all in two weeks bye bye god i really need Oh no! Oh. <laughs> Get it out, Charles! I lost it. <laughs>